0: Monsters, a deadly, unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me, when I can drag him out of the hull of that old Russian destroyer, is Gavin.
1: And this professional painter of portraits with me is Hess.
0: And we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify with tales of mysterious monsters from. Myth, film, literature, television, and gaming both inside of the box and inside of the console. And each week, we bring a monster into the shop, unknown to uh, the other presenter. I don't know what Gavin's going to present and vice versa. And then we discuss what we brought into the shop for the edification of each other and you, the listener. Uh, so before we get into the monsters, we like to start out with a segment that we call villainous vuvuzela villainous vocabulary." Let's do <laughs> Uh Okay, how are you spelling jack-titation?
1: Jack? Uh, jactitation? Jack. J a c t i t a t i o n. Okay, is that Which was that like a meanings. was had a
0: software company that made uh, carts for Atari in the seventies? Uh, no, uh, d- close.
1: No, it's it's the uncontrollable twitching of a body part.
0: Yeah, the, or
1: claiming to be married to someone who doesn't know that you're making this claim, or a generalized way to to say that you're going to harm something, or to throw something and toss it cares, carelessly, like it, it
0: metaphorically to just throw it around. Like the jackditation of this slander. Uh, I'm seeing a graph here of when this was popularly used. It looks like the early 1800s. People were really saying jactitation. I'm gonna I'm gonna (laughs) gonna press it. I'm gonna. I don't know how this will come across on the on the feed, but I'm gonna press the "say it for me" button and see what happens. No.
2: Jactitation of marriage. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) Jacktation of marriage.
0: Jackditation of marriage Here's the word by itself
3: Jacktation.
0: That's a different lady
3: Jack Yeah <laughs> It's I,
0: I can see why this word uh, <laughs> fell out of use Because it's fucking impossible to say Jackditation Um The restless tossing of the body in illness False declaration that one is married to a specific person Wow Because you know
1: those are related
0: <laughs> uh, I'm sure we could get into the lexicography of how they are some way the same word, but that's not going to happen right now. So we are your your word of the week calendar. Peel off today's page and move on to the next one, because I don't know. Yeah, uh, we'll see if we can we can see if we can enter that into the show at some point, if I can get that into my into my dialogs. Um, well, that was villainous, villainous vocabulary. Villainous vocabulary. Uh, very good. Awesome. Nailed it. She gaslighted uh, me with that <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, um, With I, I mentioned that I was going to, that I'm like uh, showing, I mentioned before we got on mic that I was showing WandaVision to my students. And um, yeah. It's crazy, like the uh, two thirds of the way through the show or halfway through the show. R- really, what Wanda is doing to Vision is—oh, spoiler alerts! Spoiler alerts! Spoilers for WandaVision. If yeah. you've not seen it, get that, get on it. It's good. Even even though Disney owns it, um, that she's really gaslighting him when he is star- starts asking que- like real solid questions. That's some serious gaslighting shit, and she's just like, "Oh, don't worry about it. That's not a big deal." I'm like, "Oh, wait, you've reconstructed me and this whole situation. That's some rough, some rough shit." Like, (laughs) what?
1: Abducted an entire town. Yeah, I mean,
0: I guess. I mean, everybody should really get the point that that is the point that Wanda is really the villain of the show. Yeah, Um, I hope so. (laughs) But it is. because it is, it is, <laughs> it is the case. It is fucked up. Like watching, yeah. rewatching the first episode where they have the, the cut, the dinner with the uh, the boss and the wife, and and you watch <laughs> that when she's saying "Stop it, stop it," and you and like when you can read what's actually going on that she's trying to get. Like, her to stop using her fucking powers to, like, prevent her su- her husband from being killed and them all from being enslaved is, is yeah. really intense and rough. Like, it's from the, from the townspeople's perspective, it is a rough show. Like, it's very, very dark. But anyway, totally, totally good for Disney. Uh, you know, just mind slavery. Only mind slavery. No big <laughs> yeah. deal. So uh, before we totally scare you off, let's get to the monsters that we have this week. Uh, uh, it's less of a story. Instead, I'm going to try to pitch you on a pitch you a movie, Gavin. Um, uh, so All right. so it's the uh, it's the late '80s. Everybody lo- everybody loves movies. Uh, the popcorn, yeah. the sticky seats, the 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 good and plenties. People are just. People are just all that crap, that that smell gon, gonzo for them. Yeah, that I actually really do miss that smell, particularly the smell of like the Warner Theater in the '80s. Yeah, the smell always stayed it's the like, same, regardless what, what of who, who owned the company. It's like delicious must. Yes, it's a <laughs> it's a salt it's a salty. Um, candyish, yeah, a salty in, uh, concrete. Musky. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Salty candy coated concrete, um, and, and and dried out <laughs> butter flavor topping. But uh <laughs> so it's uh, it's the late eighties. Everybody's just wild about Hollywood, and there's a there's a, a fuck ton of movies coming coming out about space, and people are kind of like, what if we could do space, but it wasn't space? So they come up with a, a series of different movies that are kind of like space, um, but not. And we're like, okay, we're gonna combine a bunch of elements. What are some really? What, what if we could make the the best space-like movie that's not about space? It's gonna have scary, scary-ass monster in it. What are some great ingredients that we could add into it? Okay, we're gonna. Well, if we're gonna have a big scary monster, we're gonna have top shelf special effects for this monster. Get the best of the best. Stan Winston, okay? We're going to get Stan Winston. Stan Winston. Stan Winston, the... I mean, he's up there with uh, with Rob Botten. Um You could maybe even rank Stan Winston as, as more important than Rob Botten, uh in Rob Botten, the creator of the Thing effects. And uh, Stan Winston, for anybody yeah. that somehow does, listens to this show but does not know, is the Terminator. Aliens. Predator, yeah. Monster Squad, Robocop. Predator Two, RoboCop, Terminator Two, uh, Lake Placid. if you get into the more like the the current, yeah,
1: era. Lake Placid. Um,
0: AI, the artificial <laughs> intelligence movie for people that like that. Constantine, Iron Man, like absolutely. He is the um, the absolute paragon of Hollywood creature effects and 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 super special effects. So, bam, lock that down. Creature, this creature is gonna look fucking awesome. Okay, like, well, w- what are some other elements that we need? We're gonna have a bad. At, we're gonna need like, okay, we're gonna need a really great cast. All right, we're gonna have a really great cast. What are we gonna get? We're gonna get let, let's get a Ghostbuster in there. Awesome, we've got a Ghostbuster. Boom, which <laughs> which one? Don't worry about it. Uh, all right, we need uh, we need some other stars. We need a really 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 hot chick f- with a foreign accent. Boom. Okay, we got a really uh, <laughs> hot chick with a with a with a foreign accent. Um, we're gonna get um, uh, Amanda Pays. Um, She's uh, she's Mulder's ex girlfriend uh, later in X Files. She's <laughs> she's she's hot as hell. Um, she's a really good actress. She has got a really pointy nose. Um, we're gonna make sure she gets naked like three or four times down to her underwear, and also it's sometimes wet. All right, awesome, perfect, nail this movie so far. <laughs> got it. Okay, we need some. We're gonna, but we're not gonna just we're not just gonna have a Ghostbuster and a hot chick. We're gonna have a whole pantheon of, of awesome character actors. Um, who do we need? Let's get fucking Let's get fucking RoboCop in there. Um, that That sounds like a good yeah. idea. We're gonna get uh, We're gonna get. All right, then I got it. Yeah, what is it? It's Leviathan. It is Leviathan, the nineteen uh, <laughs> Leviathan. the nineteen eighty nine popcorn munching uh, under under the sea horror movie, deep deep sea horror movie, nineteen eighty nine release. Currently with a Russian fleet in the Baltic Sea. Currently it's rusted junk and we're looking at it. Uh, Directed by a guy named uh, George, and I don't want to chop up his name, George Cosmitos. Okay, who uh, has is deceased now? Died in two thousand five. But George Cosmatos has a relatively brief um, cinematography, or a relatively brief filmography here. A couple of noted ones being uh, Rambo: First Blood Part Two, and then subsequently (laughs) Cobra. Um, But it is it's reported that he actually didn't really direct Cobra. He was just on there to let. Uh, Sly, like, direct Cobra secretly and would just, like, hanging yeah. out and collecting a paycheck. He was kind of, like, doing a solid for for Sly after Rambo 2. And then comes Leviathan, 1989. And then after that, uh, a favorite, favorite of the show, Tombstone. 1993 also directs uh, Tombstone. Interestingly, he does also direct an episode of, kind, Joe, Bob, kind of. Joe, Joe Bob's Drive-In Theater. Uh, why do you say kind of? Um Tombstone. Tombstone, like with uh, the cowboy. Yeah, the the Tombstone. Yes. Uh, well, like half of that was directed by Kurt Russell himself. Aha! Uh-huh. So maybe Kurt Russell, maybe, 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 yeah. uh, maybe George Cosmatos is maybe the s- secret genius of film directing, where <laughs> who just. Attaches <laughs> yeah. his name to movies And then lets the star direct a movie And just like sits there and eats craft services I don't know <laughs> he just, just yeah. like well, Drinks gin in his trailer
3: And we know where it comes
1: From what I know about it is that, like, Which is a lot Because that Tombstone is like I don't know One of my top five Know about all of it movies Yes that, and, Aliens. Yeah. and like <laughs> Tombstone I guess the director was having a lot of trouble. People weren't really following him. People uh, weren't really like respecting him. Kurt Russell stepped in and like, as a, like the nice guy that he is, pretty much like started directing it himself. Yeah. But still saying like, you need to listen to the director.
0: Yeah. And, like, <laughs> well, and the fa- well, and here's the thing is, and and there's a there's a natural through line that actually brings up some of the subjects I was going to bring up, is that. Um, one of the main detractors that this film Leviathan has in terms of what people like uh, uh, harsh on about it is that it's a ripoff of primarily the thing um, and, and a couple a couple of other movies that are extremely, extremely similar in the sense that the the monster, is kind of a weird mutating mashup monster that absorbs people, and even some of the the creature effects are very specifically thing-like. Uh, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. Yeah. But it, it, the fact, and I mean Kurt Russell, if you had so, if you had to have somebody like standing around already getting paid to like take over. Kurt Russell's pretty good because he's been starring in movies since he was like 12 fucking years old. Um, Yeah. Since
1: he was old
0: (laughs) enough. Yeah. Since
1: he was old enough to sell that toy gun.
0: And then many of them being like really sitting in the lap of John Carpenter who uh, really knows how to fucking direct a movie. And just by osmosis, an intelligent person like Kurt Russell would get enough of that to competently decide like okay, let's do an over the shoulder shot and we'll move it with a crane right now and that kind of shit, it just it just yeah. you know get get the ball rolling. But so I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna say that this movie in, that its weaknesses are purely from the direction by George Cosmatos. I'm gonna say that, it, that certain things about it just don't come together, and he seems to be the person to blame. I, 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 for the most part because the other yeah. the other ingredients involved are just it is it is almost impossible to imagine that this recipe failed. Uh Peter Peter Weller um starring as your main character yeah. um who is of course RoboCop. He's goddamn RoboCop. He's goddamn Buckaroo Bonsai. He's a he's a very compelling yeah, Buckaroo Bonsai. charismatic uh, leading guy, he's a he's a serious actor. Whether you are um, all into the the cops robo or not, um, he's a he's a good leading man. He looks he looks good. He sounds good. He delivers lines extremely well. He's has good chemistry with people on camera. And you, for your director of photography, the man's going to shoot all this uh, crazy-looking stuff. Is a guy by the name of Alex Thomas, the the director of photography, and or I'm uh, Thompson. I'm sorry, Alex Thompson, and um, he's uh, the director of photography uh, behind such clunkers as Legend uh, and Excalibur. <laughs> um, absolutely incredible, yeah. award-winning. Um, cinematographer. So uh, I mean, that should not be a problem. your your creature effects, like we said, are done by by Stan Winston and his whole, you know, e- even at this point, Stan Winston has a massive retinue of people that do work for him. You're even going to have somebody who's incredibly amazing inside of the monster suit when the monster comes to life, which is this comes comes to life on screen. This guy named Tom Woodruff Jr., who has been inside of suits and inside of um, creature props for movies, including the the Terminator. Aliens, Monster Squad, Alien Nation, yeah. Leviathan, Tremors, Alien Three, Death Becomes Her, Demolition Man, Wolf, Mortal Kombat as Goro, Tremors Two, Michael's, <laughs> er, Michael the one, the one with uh, the one with uh, old what's his name from Greece, Starship Troopers, The X Files. It keeps going on. Like he a phenomenal yeah. top shelf like effects like puppeteer, um, you know inside the inside the suit analog actor. Um, so that shouldn't get screwed up. The, the camera should be really amazing with, uh, Alex Thompson. The, the effects should be really amazing. Your cast is, is fantastic. Cause you've got Ernie Hudson, who is really good. We're, I mean, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big fan of her Ernie Hudson because of all bright from the crow. And of course, ghostbusters. Yeah. Um,
1: and I, then, I did know that it was Leviathan whenever you said, which Ghostbuster? Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, well, that means Ernie Hudson. <laughs> yeah, and uh,
0: like, I'm, and then uh, uh, Richard Krenna, who is uh, Troutman from Rambo, he's playing the Doctor character. Yeah. Amanda Pays, who I mentioned, is like, go- is gorgeous and is, really, is actually really good on screen, plays Elizabeth Willie Williams. Daniel fucking Stern <laughs> plays this like, walking HR vibe Violation character The name of Six Pack Who's just like A one trick pony Of just being Offensive and drunk Um, But I like seeing Daniel Stern play Like play douchebag He's He's obviously Based off of The character Palmer From The Thing Portrayed by david Clennon, the you gotta be fucking kidding guy like it is it's so clear that they wanted to have a palmer in this it's like let's have a white douchebag guy (laughs) who drinks um you know it's like this guy won't smoke weed he'll 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 crush beers Uh, and and that is one of the many ways that they reiterate uh the thing and to a lesser extent uh alien um, because when you go into this uh, undersea habitat where they're doing mining, just like *An Alien*, and working for a douchebag super yeah. feature corporation, just like *Alien*, the production design of yeah. how things look, everybody's wearing these like bi- like normal kind of like workaday blue collar costumes. Um, it is it is alien every which way from Sunday, and then um, they yeah. they they find why in, in the in the business of looking around under under the ocean for uh, to to rescue Six Pack when he falls off of a cliff. Turns out that they find this scuttled Russian ship um, called the Leviathan. And they go in there They pull some junk out To get the story about it They they like find some Very conveniently located booty And uh, a videotape Also exactly like from the thing um, And some other spooky stuff Including a bottle of vodka Some of the characters Consume the bottle of vodka Turns out the bottle of vodka Is for some reason Tainted with um, uh, Genetic mutation Leviathan. Thing <laughs> That they just extrapolate Without like this is one of my major problems with the screenplay Um, and again the screenplay is written by a guy named David Peoples who not was who's written such clunkers as Blade Runner and Unforgiven like your ability to the, the, the fact that you were given like this recipe of things to of like how to like shoot this three pointer and you like totally lay up a brick with all of these like tools at your discretion. You're like, well, it's written by the guy who yeah. wrote Blade Runner and Unforgiven and Twelve Monkeys. And it's it's shot by the guy who well, shot Legend. Was. Yeah, I know. I mean, I realize yeah. that these are layers on top yeah, of layers. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's still, just it it's, still it's, counts for a lot. It seems like you really have to go out of your way to fuck this up as bad as as bad as you do. Not that the movie is terrible. It's just that it never synthesizes it, it gets to, like, literally halfway through the movie. I was watching it. I was waiting. Where the fuck is this monster going to show up? Because I've seen the movie a number of times, yeah. but it, it was a long time ago. And it's literally past the halfway point before really even anything vaguely dangerous occurs. There is so much yeah. front-loaded mining drama Michigas, which I'm, like... Yeah, I'm in favor of I'm in favor of establishing the world that the characters are living in in Act One, but it's it's like it's more than half the movie of just miscellaneous like mining drama um, until you get to anything happening. So it all gets jammed in to the last forty five minutes of the movie, and and it's just it's badly paced there's holes in how people how how the people behave nobody reacts in an appropriate manner like a lot like some of these movies like in the thing there's a really good you know the greatest thing about the thing <laughs> i didn't do that on purpose but the greatest thing about the thing in addition <laughs> to in a really long list is that everybody reacts To the shit that is going on Exactly how a real human being Would react to that real shit To that very unreal shit happening Like, everybody's emotional response Is the correct amount of what the fuck For something that is absolutely mind-blowing Like, people's reactions And how they freak out And how they, like, they... They retreat into themselves or blow up or have have a breakdown or run off and get a shotgun or, you know, like prepare like a vial of acid to throw in somebody's face if necessary. Everybody acts in a convincing way um, to the danger. And in this movie, everybody is either. It just doesn't feel it just doesn't feel real and locked down. Um, and then, additionally, the monster always looks like crap in this movie. And I, I honestly had <laughs> forgotten what the fuck the monster was. I was I was remembering something closer to being in the Deep Star Six slash. Um, there it is. The Deep Star. Yeah, the De- I was thinking of the Deep Star Six <laughs> slash Abyss kind of realm, of Abyss kind of a, va- of, a yeah. of a vague. Like impressive CGI meets analog, kind of a uh, subterranean allegory. But instead, this is a series yeah. of kind of non-specific, fleshy tentacle, like squished, um, like well, like gi- yeah. giant I'm worm with teeth bullshit. And then, and then what you get yeah, is the... like the ultimate monster is a weird fleshy. Um, like homunculus m- amalgamation fish monster man
1: no it, it looks like that it had a form and then they decided that it shouldn't have a form that it should be like a a, a like a collection of amorphous horrors you know that yeah. kind of
0: look yeah but
1: but they tried to throw that on top of something that was already formed
0: yeah uh, there, I mean which is, there, there's is, which
1: like looks bad if you're gonna do that.
0: There's a logic to it, and I think that they got the green light from the thing to just go like, okay, well, you can just, cu- I yeah. mean, like, we've are, I mean, look how crazy <laughs> the thing in the thing is, and every time it's different. Yeah. So we, we've also got a like a genetic mutating monster, so you can just throw whatever the fuck you want in there and make yourself a kitchen sink like like fish monster, and it'll it'll rock. Um, and then still with the ingredients that they have with Stan, with the Stan Winston studio and with his puppeteer people and with a, an incredible cinematographer, the combination still doesn't really work. And it's, it's very unfortunate that, um, and i don't know how many giant fish monsters we're going to cover in the first like season of our show but we're already at 2 and we don't even oh, have 10. A lot we, of it's going to be nautical. We don't even have 10. I didn't yeah. do that on purpose cuz i honestly had forgotten that this ended up being didn't a, a mutant fish monster. I I was i was well, that's legiti- all right. I was legitimately expecting Uh, A smooshy water machine thing that, you know, I and I'd seen this movie a number of times because I very specifically remembered the extreme close up that they do of the like the the uh, flask of vodka that he's pouring to the, the hot blonde girl actor. Uh, and she's quite good. She she plays kind of like a, a Bambi stereotype character, but she's she's good on screen. Uh, no, yeah, Lisa Eilbacher, Bridget Bowman, and yeah. like she's she's given she's <clears throat> given virtually nothing for the character, and she's kind of like both of the female characters. Unfortunately, are very I can de even though the um, the Amanda yeah. Pays character is more like a whole person, but the Bridget Bowman character is kind of well, like also
1: I. Uh- We should add that um, the third woman in this movie is Meg Foster...
0: Uh, yes. Don't worry. I was. Dope. Don't yeah. worry. I was not going to miss. Uh, all right. We'll M- get to Meg Foster. Meg Foster. No, that's <laughs> no, that's good to bring that up. Ma- Meg Foster plays <laughs> the um, evil company douchebag lady that is the, behind the the um, the industrial operation that's running the mining agency. She's kind of doing all the Burke work in this movie of being of being the, yeah. co- the face of the company. Um, you know yeah. it, it, it lacks a lot of drama Because they're just ca- Like calling into her On the like Future telecom thing But Meg Foster is um, yeah. She's complicated But also amazing And is still working Like now She's She's quite a She's quite a bit older yeah. now but um, th- 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 those of you that don't know who we mean, uh, if if you're if you're our age, you would know her as the woman with the incredibly pale husky style blue eyes who plays uh, Evil Lynn in the in the much maligned Masters Lynn. of the Universe yeah. movie. Um, and as much as I really hate that movie, like she did a kick-ass job with that character. Her her she yeah that's she, Evil She's really good in 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 nearly everything that she's in and I'm I'm curious if you asked her about her uh, yes she yes absolutely and I know that she gets cast um because of how like naturally wild her eye color is in combination with like her natural ability I'm curious whether she sees that as a um as that as that like a that uh, shortcut like a, that it's helped her over the years is, is how intense her eyes look or whether it's she's kind of annoyed with it um She's also she was also <laughs> famous for being she was one of the main characters in Cagney and Lacey which I didn't even know like she's she's Cagney in yeah. Cagney and Lacey. I did I yeah. it was it was just 70s enough that I didn't I never really watched it and it, it didn't it didn't play in reruns on on my TV stations. <laughs> so I don't I don't have a Cagney and Lacey like background to, <laughs> to pull to pull from but um, she was yeah she was pretty legit on TV for a long time. Um and delivers a yeah. very, a very down the middle Meg Foster style like, uh, sm- smoking and crossing her legs and and inevitably being evil portrayal uh, here in this in this movie. Um, so she's great. Hector Alizondo plays like uh, G.P. Cobb, who's kind of like the shop foreman kind of character. He's good. Um, I didn't really like Michael Carmine who plays the Tony De Jesus character. I think he's I think he's playing it at like a, a 13 out of 10 and it's just a little bit it's like he's on stage and that's not great. Her, Ernie Hudson is Ernie Hudson is really good. Um, Ernie Hudson is a, is just a solid actor. And he, he's, he, yeah. um, you know, one of the, one of the videos that I watched discussing the movie, uh, I would say accurately describes Ernie Hudson as kind of being this, the POV character for the audience where he's like, this is some fucking bullshit. And the audience is like, yeah, this is some fucking bullshit. Like I get, get out get out of there. Ernie yeah. Hudson. <laughs> Whatever it is, it appears to be a genetic aberration. No shit. Um, and, uh, so I don't know a lot of a lot of the things don't work with the movie I think they they couldn't make a decision about what the monster was and they got the they got the wrong note from the thing which is like a monster could just be a whole bunch of random bullshit and we're good. so our monster's going to be a whole bunch of random Like, underwater bullshit. And it's hard to, like, be that judgmental about a Stan Winston creation. Because you go on the Stan Winston website for his, you know, like, creature effects school and special effects school. And you you look at the tools that they created to design that monster and how much work it meant into it. And theoretically, it should make sense. Like, they pull in... You know, they pull in all of this actual yeah. medical and undersea visual stuff to create this weird mutant fishman thing. But the, ultimately, I think it was just too big and ungainly for it to move in a way that made it seem like something that was real in space. Um, I think yeah. that they shot it in a too too generous of a way. For the camera, like they, I think they just covered it too thoroughly. They showed it too much for how limited the the, the puppet was. I think that you know, half the time yeah. they're just ha- they're just having like a bloody tentacle fight you. Um, early on, there's just this weird suckerfish thing that looks like a giant like burned black sperm with like with like nasty teeth that like burrows into one character's chest like an like an anti. Alien chest burster kind of move, like they couldn't. They couldn't. Dis- yeah. You couldn't decide. Like it wasn't obvious to the audience what monster we were being introduced to, and that was not an advantage. Like in the thing, the mystery really like pulls you in a direction of the complete unknowableness of the monster, and in this, yeah. it did. It it, it, it it swings. For that, it swings at that ball and absolutely whiffs it. Like it just is just a total strikeout. Where you're like, well, look at that dumb thing. All right, now it's this kind of dumb thing. Wait a second. I thought we were. I thought there was. I thought there was gonna be big worms. And then, and then suddenly, you've got a giant monstrous, yeah. like um, mushy um, fish man that's got a whole bunch of like the character's face is trapped in its in its torso. And at no point yeah. does it to meet the point of, of terror, but if you lay it out point by point, it seems to be exactly the same thing as an alien or the thing where you're like, I don't know how this didn't work. We hit all the same points, but they just don't, they just don't gel into a new um, into a new ingredient, into a new recipe, and it's it's just not there. And it's uh, it's not the fault of the actors because the actors are they're acting the hell out of this script, and the result is you got something that made like 15 million versus its 20 million cost. But it was up against really big, heavy hitting movies, um, also about underwater monsters that came out that year. So it really. Uh, and it, and Fletch Fletch Lives came out the same day, and it, it took number two against <laughs> Fletch Lives. Um, so do with that do with that piece of information whatever you want. But uh, the so I wanted to like the monster. It has some scary elements. Probably the best part is when the Daniel Stern um, monster is kind of like under the blanket and and transforming and mutating into a different thing at that point it really has potential to be scary and ultimately the things it turns into are just they're just not frightening the movie doesn't follow us uh, like a logic that really connects people like block to block and it, you keep having to ask questions of the as the audience to, to make the movie make sense. Um, so I want to really like it, and it's also not bad. It's like not really bad enough to sit there and like uh, like chop it up and MST3K it. So it's in a very awkward spot. Yeah. So um, it's not Stan Winston's best work. You know whether it's his fault or not. It's hard to say. I, I think the I think the monster needed to be smaller and have more of a, a specific angle that it was pursuing, um, and it probably needed to get shot differently. Smaller. I, I, <laughs> well, but uh, by, and but and here's why I say smaller is when you watch it in in real time on screen. If it had been underwater, this might have been fine. But the way that the puppet moves with um, like Woodruff inside of it, it just moves like a puppet. It's so it's so heavy yeah. that he's very clearly forcing his mo- movements it's it's obviously not a thing <laughs> that is um, self animate like it, it never seems to act in a self possessed way yeah. it's clearly being dragged along by a crew of people or a guy who can barely hold it up for a few seconds at a time and so it doesn't it doesn't have even the the animation of like Miss Piggy or or Kermit the Frog, you know, who, and because you can, yeah. you you the 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 puppet to to performer ratio in in a in a Muppet, even though a Muppet is very simple in certain ways, is you, it is obviously possessed by something that can animate it in real time in a convincing fashion. Where Woodruff was obviously struggling against this carapace that he and he's he's been. He's been the alien in a bunch of alien movies. He's good at this. So it's it's hard to <laughs> yeah. imagine that um, it's his fault. I'm sure it's not. It was just, on some level, a bad combination between the way it looked, how hard it was to interact with as a performer, and the way that they shot it um, against the, the elements of the script that didn't come together. So s- s- some of those pieces just didn't bake in, and the, so the, the recipe that comes out doesn't taste right.
1: The monster has like humanish puppy eyes with a with a fish mouth which is like kind of comical. It's not scary. It's it's really yes. funny to yeah. look at. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't I don't see this and think, "Oh no, it's going to get me." I see this and think, "This is a great Saturday morning villain."
2: <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> it just needs Frank Welker to voice it.
0: Uh-huh. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, you'll
1: never get my gems. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. It's well, you know, going toward fish is 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 walking a very skinny tightrope. I think um, because like yeah. I, I I'm I'm <laughs> I'm the first one that will say you know and you know this that like fish be scary like stuff in the water is yeah. scary. I'm specifically afraid of sea monsters. Absolutely. Like, things with, yeah. with things with claws that are inside of suckers that are attached to tentacles, and that tentacle is, like, 40 feet long, yeah. and that thing also comes out of the bottom of the fucking ocean, and also it kills whales. That's fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember I was at yeah. a party. <laughs> yeah. I was at, like, a, a party at our mutual friend, like, Charlie's get-together out when we were both living in California, and like all yeah. of his friends are like biology scientists and grad students, particularly at the time when he was in yeah. school for it at that time. And somehow giant yeah. squid came up in the conversation, separate from me. I did not introduce it. <laughs> yeah. And then and I said and I said something about, you know, um, you know, a claw inside of a sucker on a tentacle, and one of these biology majors was like, Oh, that's not real. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah. That real, real giant, yeah. real squid don't have claws inside of their suckers, and I was like, I bet you a thousand dollars that they factually I, do, yeah. and it's, and and it was very funny to me because I then made the point I was like, you should trust the person that has a terrifying, crippling fear of of this thing as opposed to the biology yeah. grad student. <laughs> Which is really ironic (laughs) because I'm like, like you're making a really bold claim about a thing that you ought to be an expert in, but uh, you are not. Um, Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, things at the bottom of the ocean are genuinely fucking terrifying, and they're and they're basing this this monster off of like cuttlefish. And 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 other shit that is like genuinely visually very terrifying. You know the stuff that lives in the in the completely sunless black of the deep sea, and that you know they use their bioluminescence yeah. to trap their prey yeah. with a little bobber in front and the giant transparent teeth. I mean those things are freaking nightmares. And so the again the yeah, ingredient the ingredients that they're using as reference for the monster logically should add up into a thing that really really grabs you by the the gonads but somehow it doesn't get there because walking the the fishy tightrope is hard um and it just they fell off onto the like oh it's a goofy fish man thing you know and all of a sudden you've just got you know what's replacing the Femir in in hero quest it was an experiment that tampered with nature's most basic laws Uh, It's just like, it's just kind of a fishy dude, you know, and it doesn't, it it doesn't, it doesn't get there. I'm
1: reviewing the last scene. It just kind of kills Ernie Hudson.
0: Ernie Hudson supposedly had real words arguing with... Uh, arguing with George, uh, I'm going to call him George um, M- Monsanto. George, <laughs> he's dead. I should be nice. George, yeah. Co- the the director George uh, Cosmatos. Apparently, he battled with him that it, he thought it was absolutely nonsense. Um, there is a lot. Yeah. There is a logical. There's a logical point to killing somebody right before the rescue. Um, to get yourself a last scare in there, but the way it plays out in the well, in the way the way it plays out in the yeah, movie is like scary. it's not scary at all. It's it's bright daylight, and it's not that, not that you can't have a daylight. Um, a daylight kill that is frightening. Lots of yeah. mo- lots of movies are it's frightening. Bright
1: daylight. The monster's barely moving the way it should. Yeah, it, Ernie you, you Hudson can, has already clearly
0: escaped. You've got a very you've got a very <laughs> clean visual on a on a monster puppet that just is is not selling itself in br- in bright daylight, yeah. and and they're obviously in five feet of water in a tank in uh you know on a lot, yeah. and the the drama isn't there. And they just They yeah. just tick off They have like two minutes left in the damn movie And they just tick off the bad Killing the black guy trope Like they 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 were yeah. so close And they, they Fucking had to fuck it up at the last minute They had to kill Ernie, yeah, Ernie Hudson In the last then, five minutes uh, like it, Peter
1: Weller's character doesn't even Bother trying to He's right next to him Peter Weller's yeah, character is right next to him yeah. And he doesn't bother to just like Grab him? Yes, it's
0: it, it's <laughs> it was it was infuriating. Like, uh, it was I think the thing I maybe shouted the most at, or I was like, ah, oh, come on, because I mean it was long enough where yeah. I genuinely I had no idea whether he lived or not. So the tension of him living was mm-hmm. was was there. Yeah. I was like, oh, Ernie Hudson's going to live. He's right, the 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 helicopter's right there, and then. But if it had yeah. if it had been a successful scene, if it had been a successful use of the puppet. Like, for instance, if that puppet had been In a tank that was deep enough That they could have put the puppet Under the actors And it became yeah. it, and, and you did an overhead shot Where the puppet became visible Through the water coming up from underneath If they had used Exactly If they had used the water To disguise the quality of the puppet In such a way you I mean, you <laughs> just put something in water And all of a sudden you know, it's like going from HD to SD. You have, you it gives it so much more sense of feeling and weight and realness, and also the the obfuscation of the, 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 the light quality and the, the shadows and the movement of the water. You really could have taken that puppet if you just did that shot differently. If you went over the top with a crane, had a separate tank that was just big enough that you could get the puppet underneath them, and then you didn't know that the, the monster was gonna come up at all, and and you do, an, you do all of them languishing there, waiting for the, you know, they're waiting a few minutes. Um, you could have the sharks, and there's unnecessary sharks in the scene, but you eliminate the yeah. sharks, and then you just have them, like, laughing away. Oh, we're going to be saved. And then you reveal the puppet from underneath and yeah. y- you you cut away as soon as it starts to like look too fakey and then you can cut to the you know the, the, the to you know, whoever you want to kill being killed yeah, at least being like, at jerk least down yeah exactly at, of, least, off of at least at least you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna check off the the douchey trope of killing the black guy in the last two minutes, like at least do it with an incredibly terrifying kill. And they yeah. had an opportunity to reveal the monster showing up in the last moments, and they the it was really it was a really lazy version of directing. Just stand the puppet there and have yeah. it like reach out and grab the dude in a, in it's just the, like the yeah, most anticlimactic way possible.
1: Flops his arm on top of Ernie's. Uh, It's miserable. It's supposed to be deadly.
0: And that's what I mean (laughs) by the puppet's too heavy. Like, it's. The the size makes it too too cumbersome for the actor inside of it, Woodruff, to manipulate it in a way that gives it a sense of animation and reality. So, you know, I think if that puppet were used in a more judicious and creative way if it was always coming through the water if it was obscured by the water if it was if it was Dripping and coming out of shadow. If it was being shot in a more dynamic fashion, then you could probably even take that puppet. Okay, I'm officially revising my stance. This movie is George Kosmatos's fault for failure, and Stan Winston has absolutely—it's—he did a fine job. <laughs> because if you go in yeah. to, if you go on to Stan, if you go, in, I'm, I'm sorry, both of these people are dead, but somebody's got to lose. Uh, yeah. And and George Kosmatos, the you know the 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 director of Cobra, um, unfortunately, yeah. is, pro- <laughs> is probably shoveling the the the, the 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 lion's share of manure in this situation,
1: and he's so also known for almost screwing up Tombstone.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it, you know you could just you could just take a, f- a few of these big suit monster scenes get them in the water they've are they're already shooting in the water not for the whole i mean this movie is uh, actually an incredible use of dry for wet shooting meaning a lot yeah. of the stuff where they're running around at the bottom of the ocean they're shooting it dry with uh, atmospheric effects and like yeah. fake snow and and things to make it look like they're in the water when they're not and frankly yeah. i didn't even notice that at all So that, that shortcut actually totally worked for me. It did not, it did not, it didn't even, I didn't even clock it. And I'm usually very good at seeing that stuff. And well, along the way, this movie did like almost
1: everything perfectly. And, and there are some like six or seven reasons why, it didn't work, but they are gigantic reasons.
0: Yes, which is namely like the monster sucks really bad. Yeah, um, and, and, so. and 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 I I thought I was going to be democratic about that that there were just there's a share of it in on you know that comes from Stan Winston. There's a share of it that co- comes from George Cosmatos. There's a share of it that comes from the script being slow and clunky. But yeah. I, I honestly you, the script being slower. That the movie playing out too slowly and too clunky—that's the director's problem. Because um, yeah. there, there's
1: also a lot of like nonsensical, almost unbelievable, like character actions. Correct. The, ch- like, the choices that characters—the
0: choices that the characters make—don't make any fucking sense at various points yeah. throughout the crisis. And um, you know, you could say that was like David People's issue with the script, but you know, I'll say you know he gets a little bit of it. George Cosmatos gets a lot of it for not having um, not having a use of the a use of Stan Winston's effects that ultimately gets them across the goal line in terms of believability. Uh, yeah. And I don't think I don't think it's Stan Winston's fault. He made a thing that could be scary if you if used judiciously and directed in a dynamic way. And yeah. uh, the they just didn't use those ingredients properly.
1: Yeah. Well also like the the size of the monster never hits the proportion that you would consider a
0: Leviathan to be. No. It's yeah. More I mean, like a troll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it's it's kind of like swapping out like the Femir for the big fish guy that's gonna be on Hero Quest. It's just another big yeah. It's just a big trolley <laughs> thing. You know, it's, it's take it, the way that it's used and its physicality, because it's so big and awkward, it makes it just like ogreish. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is just a weird, nasty ogre. Where the things that should be, Frightening about it Are it's alien nature And that it's That it, it is a mystery It should be the things That make the The thing of the thing Scary Is that it's yeah. It's unpredictable It can run around And do mysterious business It could be inside of you At any point That Even that That element In this movie It, it is a little bit fearful But they don't play it They don't play the beats of it In an intelligent way Like When you're gonna play that, it could be in any of us like virus problem like song. You have to hit those notes in a very careful, intelligent, organized way, and they're just kind of slapping the keys. So it does that doesn't it? it Kind of works, but then they completely they completely abandon that. Yeah, totally. (laughs) They're they're (laughs) they're they're skipping a lot of the notes that are necessary for those that fear and anxiety to actually um play out because there's not you don't know who you don't you pretty much get telegraphed where it's going and when in in Leviathan yeah. and yeah there's not they're not playing the doubt game in an intelligent fashion like they're doing in the thing yeah, so
1: the, all all the character writing and all of the really awkwardness of it all Uh, does come to a nice head at the end whenever Peter Weller just punches Meg Foster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. like
1: Like, coming from all of this nonsense that is, like, the best nonsense ending...
0: Yeah you could do.
1: like well all it all makes sense now they're all
0: just jackasses. <laughs> yeah, I oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I really wonder <laughs> if that's how it was actually written in the script because because that is like it is like well we're out of money just punch her in the face. I think yeah. is there is there another movie with that exact ending or am I yes, it, Die Hard. Exa- thank you. <laughs> well, oh god, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna have to edit that out. Like I don't remember what goes on in Die Hard. I mean, th- <laughs> that's a really unfortunate. Clearly, another steal from it, it, from this movie. It's like yeah. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like this movie is a kind of um, like it's 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 an ama- it's an amalgam. it's like a sushi restaurant <laughs> yeah. where all, all of these ingredients are going by on a conveyor belt and and they just decided oh'll ha- I'll have a California roll, I'll have a Philadelphia roll, I'll have some sashimi and they're just throwing it onto their plate and saying, okay, this is going to be a good combination this will work. All of these individual parts <laughs> that will add up to a movie in this shape, it's got to win. You know, Go- Gonzo, Bafo, Bafo Lenny, Gonzo Lenny, B- gangbusters. Um,
1: you gonna make me finish this puzzle by myself or what? Well, yeah, it's,
0: its this is a, well, it's not, I don't think it's a very good movie. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not, it's a frustratingly bad movie for yeah. what it is. Uh, yeah. And I and that was my experience of it. I was like, man, this is shot really well. It's, I know it's, you are right. They
1: they started with so many right ingredients.
0: It's acted really well. <laughs> the cast rules. A lot of the yeah. stuff looks awesome, like the suits and the the dry for wet effects, and the sets look good. Like most of that stuff is like, yeah, okay, this is a legit movie. And, and then and then it starts hitting these crucial points and, and it's just whiffing and whiffing and whiffing. Uh, it's just not. Yeah. It's gonna. It's gonna ultimately a thumbs down. I gotta I gotta give it a zero out of Leviathan. Um and and ultimately <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think it's Stan Winston's fault. I think he had an interesting idea and and went uh, in a, I don't, went in a, I don't in a direction. No, I don't.
1: I really hope he didn't design the monster because I hate it. It's oh, like,
0: he sh- he sure did. Uh, you if you did he, he? yeah, he and his team designed it. You know, they brought uh, him. They brought him like thousands and thousands of images from medical textbooks and biology textbooks and and you know things huh. about undersea creatures. And you know he goes into it at length on his, his school's website, talking about how they created it. Um, uh. And. You know, there's, it's just, there's well, there's, there's a collaboration that like, doesn't work.
1: Wh- which one do you want? Like a fish monster man or um, an amorphous, like, uh, um, uh, I don't know, absorbing horror monster that has yes. all of these people that, like, make up its form? Because whenever yeah. you have something like that, it's not going to already have a form, which is this yes. fish monster man. Yes. Because it, the- it looks like it's just kind of smeared on the back, like... Like I, I got that monster on
0: me. Yeah, I'm also a giant fish monster man. Yeah, it's really (laughs) like like a lazy remix of two separate monsters. It's like we've got a giant fish monster man, and we've got a thing like a the thing thing, you know. But and instead, what you have is like a giant fish monster man with creepy faces coming out of it, like the original The Fly. You know what I mean? They're just like
3: hey. Me, we're in the fish monster man,
0: <laughs> and yeah. we're just like it's it's very salty in here. We're not enjoying ourselves yeah. whatsoever. Could you get us out? And and it it's got that like. Hokey effect of like the the um, ghost of, of of Christmas future from Scrooged of like yeah. the guys inside <laughs> of the ribcage going like,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> just like like bad Halloween gags, but it is perfect yeah, for that monster. About that, <laughs> yeah, it's that <laughs> it's that level of like okay, of just like yeah. I guess there's a dude in there like like Alizondo's just sticking his face through that fish monster man, and yeah. it doesn't it does. It doesn't get you there. It's like you—you need to pick a lane of either it's something that is a unknowable, miasmic, grotesque that can take on any shape, or it's a fish monster, man. Like pick one or right. the other. Um, yeah. And and so I'm gonna say that okay that's I, I'm everybody's going down the tubes now fuck you Stan Winston you're trash uh, <laughs> you did a t- you did a t- all all of your work and all of the great movies that are so beloved to me and millions of other people Are trash thanks to the fish monster man um, no I, I, I'm not gonna say that but he, I think they needed to pick a lane for for what that monster was they bit off more than they could chew and it was it was trying to be two things at the same time. And it, it didn't it didn't work. So um, all right all right, Stan. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you you almost always do a fantastic job, which is frustrating because the details of the monster are rendered in a really compelling way. Like it sure looks like it's something. Like it's yeah. it, it, it sure looks like a fish monster, man. But it's uh, you don't you. you it, it's it ends up having kind of like knock knock, who is it? It's land shark kind of yeah feel, feeling exactly.
1: To it. It's, it's like the land shark skin. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: Um, and knock, knock, I, I who's in it its five character actors trapped inside of, inside of a fish monster man? It shouldn't
1: uh, have been called Leviathan. It should have been called, like... Uh, I don't know what another biblical fish monster <laughs> name is, but there definitely is one. I mean, Oops,
0: all <laughs> biblical fish monsters. It is yeah, what, what was the
1: thing that Thor fought? Oh, Jormungandr. Um, Jormungandr. Jormungandr. Jormungandr.
0: Jormungandr. 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 In Norse, myth- Jormungandr. In, in Norse mythology, Jormungandr, also known as the Midgard Serpent, is a sea serpent, the middle child of the giantess oh, no, Angry You know what? This, ang- is, this Angry is really big, too.
1: And Loki. Yeah, um, never mind. Yormunger's really giant too. So like never well,
0: mind. Well, that's one of the main <laughs> things about things that are scary in the ocean is they gotta be big. Yeah, like, gotta like, be giant. That's the thing about the ocean. The ocean is is proportionally so monstrously large that things yeah, I, that are I scary in it gotta be large.
1: Yeah, I would fight the Leviathan monster. I I would definitely muster up some courage yeah and, like, yeah just yeah.
0: go at it because it's not moving very in, well in in my recollection <laughs> in my recollection when i like cranked up this movie on amazon prime to watch it i yeah. i uh i was i was imagining this thing and this is they partially like they almost go in this direction of this movie but i imagined this thing that got into the like water system of the of the, the deep sea base Which it does yeah. uh, After they chop off part of it uh, But then I am I, rem, I, I misremembered it As it turning into this vast Tentacle beast That like infected the whole place And was like grabbing yeah. people From dark nooks and corners of the movie And there are little bits of that But it's never properly done And they don't commit oh. to that being the thing And it it completely... Doesn't jive with the fish monster man that ends up being the punchline. I th- I
1: think that that memory I I have that memory too. Just in general, I think something bad happened to us that we don't remember. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but sometimes
1: I'll 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 remember that specific. Like yeah, wasn't there a giant amorphous horror that came after us that infected yeah. reality?
0: <laughs> hmm. Well.
2: <laughs> ah, ah, Holy shit. Yeah.
0: Now that we've escaped our first menace, dear readers, we invite you into the apothecary, that den of rare and obscure balms, salves, powders, and oils derived from the exotic serpents, clattering critters, and acrid arachnids, where we do our most shadowy machinations. Our friend Jeremy keeps dying in the dark, putrid dungeons one player character after the next, like moths to the flame, whether it's crushed by a cyclops, didn't get his mage armor, up in time or was incinerated by his own divine light, Jeremy finds a way for his piss wizard to perish in the first round of combat. So here we are to ask you to open your coin purses, help pitch in just a bit to defray the massive cost of all these dang healing potions we need to keep Jeremy crawling through the dungeons. If you want to support the show on an ongoing basis, you can check us out at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. That's oops with two O's or you can make a one-time contribution to the Apothecary's Health Potions for Jeremy Fund, which, at most levels, will get you a shout-out at the top of the show, if you're into that. If you're not, we can give you a sweet and scary pseudonym to keep your dark business under wraps. So, you can toss a coin to us at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Again, that's paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters, and in every case... Oops is with two O's and no punctuation, just like Tiamat intended.
3: Hi there. My name is Douglas Rassensberger, and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded naval sword, that's what. Here at Douglas' says we've got every possible colours for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a color for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a color for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a cutlass for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle quality 27 inch half guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling, no matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensmerger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabbed with me. Please go to paypal.me slash and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash
0: Okay, uh, you, All right. so what do, you, what do you got for us, Gavin?
1: What do I got? Well, it's another imagine, if you will. Okay. Um, imagine, if you will, that you're in 2002 rural Pennsylvania or <laughs> somewhere that has a lot of cornfields. Oh, and okay. For months, acres at a time have been destroyed by what you think are pranksters, and they're flattening your crops in circular patterns for months. And uh, your, okay. your kid keeps asking for water, and your other kid keeps being a smart mouth to you, and your uh, former minor league baseball playing nephew has moved in because he got kicked out of the league for some reason.
0: Um, and is, 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 is this the aliens from Signs? It's the aliens from Signs! Oh, I didn't think I was right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, the aliens is, okay. Oops. All
1: aliens from signs, or as I like to call it, dead wife coping Pennsylvania aliens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> shit. That's gonna so be like, a, it's gonna be a long M night. It uh, will be
1: a long M night because I got a lot on this. I got a lot on it. And I figured I would do one that, like, isn't, like, my favorite or isn't something uh-huh,
2: uh-huh. more
1: accurately that
2: uh-huh. I
1: didn't know in length about until, like, yesterday. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I, I watched the movie, and I was honestly impressed. And, like, though not by the monster, because the monster's really vague and kind of dumb.
0: What a twist! I'm, I'm looking at these guys, because I gotta admit, I have not seen Signs since it came out. I'm yeah. <laughs> pretty sure I actually saw it in the theater. Is that kid a Culkin? He looks like a yeah, Culkin. that is a Culkin. Which Culkin is that? Oh, is that Kieran? Who is that, that one? Anyway, of- you you figure that out. I'm looking at these guys. Um, I'm looking at these alien boys, and yeah. they're kind of like they're very close to just being dudes. They kind of look like yeah. they kind of look like almost like un- undead. Like naked dudes, but with like a big bulbous head and like oh, like yeah. overly developed like crown ri- like like uh, ridges above their eyebrows, because they've got like a sunken in like no flesh nose and like holes where their ears should be.
1: Yeah, they got um they're like a green kind of
0: yellow. They kind of um, they kind they of have, look like a Fallout mutant of some kind.
1: They do look like a Fallout mutant. They yeah. have like upright. Uh, digitigrade legs. Uh-huh. Um, they have like uh in in the close-up scene of the of the monster's hand whenever it came out to grab at Mel Gibson. Uh-huh. Um, it had They Live makeup on it, which had like that um, base uh-huh. gray heavy makeup with like red and um, kind of like teal muscle looks. Like uh-huh. you know what I'm talking about? The They
0: Live. Yeah, uh, it's it's like the, the, the like the flesh yeah the, the 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 flayed flesh effect where it's like you should have skin on top of that, mm. buddy. Um, yeah, and yeah,
1: I think it's because they're the the monster's main thing is that they're chameleon like invisible, that they can. I see. Yeah. So where their skin to be invisible and that's uh, why nobody really sees them and it's scary whenever you finally see it because it's not on the news like they capture one on home video for yeah, a brief yeah, second yeah. before it it zaps uh, out runs so, away. Yeah. Right.
0: So they can do they can do invisibles. What else can they do?
1: Um they can shoot uh, a knockout poison out of a penis claw that comes out of their wrist. Oh man! Um, because even though, ch- yeah, even though chameleons aren't venomous, like they <laughs> <That's> <laughs> everything very... that has the chameleon power also has poison powers. That's just a given, huh. Because any, you know, it's a reptilian, so of course right. it has that one. How Cronen- um, how
0: Cronenbergian of them?
1: Yeah, it's which is why I think it's a monster more than yeah, an alien.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm with you here. They
1: also have trouble with closed doors. <laughs> like, that's their biggest obstacle in the movie. Yeah.
0: They're like Lieutenant Worf from uh, Next Generation. <laughs> they just can't handle yeah. doors. Uh, yeah. like
1: I, I want to say it's because they're so techno- technologically superior that an old Victorian closed door is just not what they expect <laughs> either <in> way. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's almost some kind of logic to that, except for doors are so – maybe they're so self-explanatory. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not from a thousand years in the future so at another planet, yeah. so I don't know.
1: Well, it's also a big monster trope thing to, to cash in on. Like, um, you know, you close the door, and what could be safer than that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, the door's closed. There's not going to get me. And everything has a problem with closed doors, from, like, zombies to uh, Jason –
0: yeah. Yeah, my uh uh my, my girlfriend is playing this like um relatively old now like Friday the 13th game where you can play as the counselors yeah. or as Jason. And Jason's yeah. really got to stand there and bash away at these doors most most of the Jasons he's really got to yeah, see Yeah, a lot of what you have to he do he, is he cannot the just open them. <laughs> he has to demolish them. Uh, so that you know that he's coming and it's just like a whole process. He does not open doors. He's got to yeah. he's got to chop them down one bit at a time.
1: Yeah, and um Mel Gibson is a preacher in this movie and he has two kids and his nephew live with him. Um, His wife just died. Like, I think in the movie it was, like, weeks ago. Uh Uh-huh. So he has to come to terms with that. And then a lot of the movie is accepting that aliens have invaded. And that's a reality. And now Mel Gibson has to rationally deal with that. Which he does a good job of, like... He does a good job of that, but he also does a good job of portraying that that is a hard thing to do. Uh-huh, uh huh. Yeah. Sure. So whenever he does do it, it's actually impressive and kind of realistic. And M Night Shyamalan, whenever whenever I watch this, uh, I noticed a lot of his director tricks mm-hmm. coming through. Like he he does things like he doesn't tell the actors a lot of things. Uh, he he says personal things to the actors to like motivate them and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it works.
0: Like all yeah. of the, especially with the kids. The kids did a great job. Yeah, I, I have no like, doubt that the directing and the performances in it are solid. I mean, I, as, whether whether you have complicated feelings about them, like the Walking Phoenix and Mel Gibson and the the Culkin clan are all are all <laughs> strong performers. Um,
1: yeah, definitely. But, <laughs> like there was a scene where um, Mel Gibson talks to M Knight Shyamalan, who plays a character, the character that. Hit his wife with his car mm. is how she died, and so the way that M Night Shyamalan brought that scene across was that he didn't tell Mel Gibson that he was going to play that character, wow. and so whenever Mel Gibson goes to talk to him, he's like surprised, like yeah, yeah, like yeah. genuinely. <laughs> yeah, and that was a good move. <laughs> and um, I think I think M Night's nephew or something like that uh, actually died. Uh, like a couple of days before he shot that scene and he used that too so like both of them were clearly upset huh. <laughs> and and it translated onto film like really well huh. but back to the monsters yeah they don't have spacesuits or anything they're pretty much running around naked and I guess that's because they have a natural chameleon thing or it could be argued that they aren't space aliens at all, that they're actually demons, because Mel Gibson is a preacher, and he's given up on God. And if you were going to go with, like, the themes of the movie, then Christianity is real, and you shouldn't give up on God, because here's a bunch of demons
0: coming to get you. Yeah, And
1: then hmm. a simpler, more believable version of that is that they are inner demons, and that inner demons invaded Earth, and a lot of people succumb to that. (laughs) Or... Since the ending is vague and it doesn't show, like, the world rebuilding, it just shows Mel Gibson rebuilding, that, like, maybe that's another uh, sign that it was just inner demons.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm. Hmm, how do I want to say this? I'm worried that if I come up with a, a super conspiracy for Signs that I'm maybe giving Shyamalan too much credit, but we'll see. But <laughs> is, is, I mean, is is it possible that Signs is a ver- is a version of a Shyamalan like left turn ending that actually doesn't get us to the punchline that that honestly that like you'd have you'd have to have another movie to do the reveal of what the fuck is the deal with what it, what the, the creatures are because, because yeah. it, because in almost every other instance, he's not, um, he's not painting with a, with a brush that ends in uh, a question mark. Like he's giving you like, Oh, but it was this, like, he's really telling you in, in it, in yeah. every other case, like what the, what the jam is. Yeah. And it, it, that and they appear to do that as as much as I recall it in this movie, it's like, "Oh, yeah, oh yeah, they were real, don't worry. It's aliens, bro. Yeah. Hit them with a baseball bat." Um and yeah. and that appears to be the punchline, the big, you know, M Night M Night punchline. Well,
1: the, the other punchline like Twis twist thing was that it's called Signs, but it's not about crop circles, it's about all of the signs that you could interpret as like uh you know divine suggestions on what to do and how yeah. to handle things which is awful for a paranoid schizophrenic person to watch. And like go on. And and internalize because um all of this stuff that happens, like uh the little girl doesn't want her water, so water's all around for the alien to die at the end. Okay. Um, his dead wife tells him, tells Mel Gibson, to tell uh, the nephew, swing away. Just yeah, tell yeah, him, yeah. swing away. <laughs> and like, and all of these uh, subtle, like, building blocks on how to save the Culkin kid's life at the end.
0: Yeah, it's a, like, it's a, it's the, the, the punchline is kind of um, predestination or, or, yeah. or, or fate, or, or. Um, I mean, they—they are signs. It's like communication from beyond the grave to yeah to save you from a, uh, from one exact bad moment in time. It's like there's a, a yeah. t- there's like which, a time bottleneck.
1: If you've, if you've ever had like a psychotic breakdown where you thought that secret messages were telling you to do something for one specific event, yeah, because I mean, speaking from <laughs> from a bizarre rare breakdown that I had once. That's one of the craziest things that you could think.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I can see that if you were, huh? That I guess this could really be a how would I say an exacerbating um, piece of of art if you were like currently on like a on a psychotic like track, even very temporarily. If you were having, yeah. if you were having a we'll call it dynamic relationship with reality. Um, yeah Watching a film <laughs> That is telling you That everything really does mean every, Something And that you must Yeah You must You must yeah. take those You absolutely must Take those signs seriously Yeah In order to save <laughs> the world From uh, space demons or, or what have you Yeah, yeah that might exactly, not Might right. not be the most Constructive message So Yeah <laughs> probably not great for the old folks home or the uh, the uh, the mental ward. To have this one floating around on DVD.
1: <laughs> but other than that, it's a wonderful piece of film. But um, the monsters have been described uh, by Joaquin Phoenix as like physically superior because he said he was running at one at full speed and he said I'm pretty strong and I'm pretty fast and it seemed like this thing was toying with us. Huh. And so... The monster would be, would have both strength and agility. So check those off. Yeah, and then we, it's a, and it's got like a natural spray weapon.
0: Check that off. Okay. Um.
3: The
1: these are arguments that it is a monster.
0: Yeah. No. I I buy. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think it definitely counts. It's it's scary. It's dangerous. It's meta human or you know it's it's yeah. beyond human. Um. I mean, even if it's just. Ultimately, the figment of like Mel Gibson's imagination, or if it's some kind of yeah. part of some, you know, it's still monstrous. Uh, I hmm, can you can you remind me? Is there some kind of like wrap up part after they discover because it's like water that kills him or something, right? Yeah. So they. It's uh, just. Water. Is there some kind of like narrative wrap up where the news says and and now the the and now you know Jim Bob and the sheriffs all ran around with super soakers and done kid em, killed them all or I've, I've no,
1: like, which is which is great how, that you brought that up yeah. because um that also suggests that. It's Christian demons, because Mel Gibson is a preacher, and he's been handling all this water that his child refuses to drink. And you could interpret that as that it's holy water, since since the preacher touched it. And um, right. the news only says that they have been defeated by an ancient way that nobody thought of. Or or something like that. They've been they've been defeated by um, a long forgotten ancient method. Right. It was the wording, which was weird. Which is weird, like to spray holy water on
2: them. (laughs) Uh
1: (laughs) So, that that could have been left up to interpretation. But or if you want to say that they're just space aliens, then then like they're silicon based life forms and they're allergic to water. Right. Like um, it's it's a big vague open ended thing. What a twist.
0: What a, what a twist. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's one of... I don't know. In terms of the actual storytelling, I find the water weakness to be one of uh, Shyamalan's lazier uh, plot resolutions. Because That's it, what I thought a long time ago, it, too. It really saves you... I mean, if it is symbolism for yeah. a religious um, concept... That's one thing, yeah. but also whatever it is, it 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 resolves too easily. It's kind of a it's a ch- it's a cheap and overly efficient out, and yeah. and so it 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 bothered me a lot. It's 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 the same feeling at the end of War of the Worlds when it turns out that they all just end up getting sick because that's the, what I was gonna say. The, I was gonna bring that up. The yeah. protagonists <laughs> don't have to really do anything. Beyond yeah. discover the discover discover the crux, discover, you know discover the yeah um, the the cheat code, and then yeah. and then it plays out um, without their effort, and that it feels it feels bankrupt you know, writing yeah. wise to me. Um, and I'm and they're you know, I'm I'm not a across the board anti Shaw guy. I think that uh, Sixth Sense had it had its, um, you know, it had its value. And and I don't even hate I don't even hate on the Village as much as other people do. I I, <laughs> I um it bothers me. It gives me it gives me shades of bother now that I know what's up. But I, I kind of actually still enjoy watching the movie for for seeing the relationships that all the characters have as they play out that that kind of like secret mystery um and uh the Bruce Willis one Unbreakable that we're gonna have a sequel to I, I like Unbreakable I think that's good
1: I um, loved Unbreakable that's an awesome movie so I'm not <laughs> a I'm
0: not a I'm not a Shyamalan hater even though he's he's you know he's got that very clear um, yeah, well, pattern. I used
1: to be I used to hate him with a passion
0: huh <laughs>
2: Swing away, Meryl.
1: And I don't—I changed my mind recently. I don't know if I grew up or something, but um, yeah. Like uh, whenever I first saw this when it came out, I thought this was the stupidest shit okay. that I've ever seen. <laughs> like um, because uh, I was expecting whenever they said it was space aliens, I was expecting a space alien with like a gun and a suit. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It was a naked chameleon man, and um, I didn't think too hard about it. But I really didn't have to. It, it like I think a lot of the mindset that people were in two thousand two would agree with me to say like, well, this is just dumb.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think I think that really the only I think that the, the intelligent way to to think about these. "Quote unquote aliens or these creatures is that they all they are, they are an analogy. They're a metaphor for the 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 family's crisis, and them being aliens or being demons kind of takes us a you know walks us along the path of the religious crisis, the crisis of faith that the family is undergoing, and that you know that they just have to. The, you know, essentially, they become resolute in in having their their um, I don't know structure for understanding reality reaffirmed. And once they get their kind of confidence and mojo back, it they they resolve the problem because it, don't, it only yeah. it only makes sense if it, res, it resolves in that tidy way if they're symbolic monsters. Because if they're if they yeah. si- if they're symbolic monsters being destroyed by water and being you know, summarily removed from the plot with with uh, uh, you know, disproportionately efficient effort. It totally it plays. It makes sense because if you if your crisis is a crisis of confidence or faith or or yeah. whatever it is, the, well, and, and also and, and you play that out it is gonna resolve in a in a, a, a extraordinarily tidy fashion See
1: that was kind of covered too because it also hinted at that this was not an invasion. it was like a raid And huh. that what, what I think uh, that would have uh, been cool to think that like some space pirates happened upon earth and said, here's some free food. Huh. and let's eat these let's eat these crazy gun nuke monkeys
3: you wanna die with a man's gone, not a little CC gone like this, so like,
1: like, like and i that that would be a cool idea to me too, that like Earth might be considered really dangerous by an intergalactic committee, and the only people that would come here would be like starving pirates on a raid, yeah and
0: like. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: like Like, but yeah, the movie covers that, like, um, that it wasn't an invasion. It wasn't like a full force invasion, but like a simple raid. There was a a military recruiter character. Shit, I know you. You're Meryl Hess. Looks like, who looks really creepy. And M. Knight does like the close-up thing on creepy characters to say creepy things, you know, Mm -hmm. at at certain times.
3: I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude.
1: And this actor... I want to find what his name is. Um, Ted Sutton mm-hmm. plays the plays the uh, recruiter sergeant. And what he says is like, we do this in the army all the time. It's called a, a recon raid. You mm-hmm. take a small group and you send them in to assess the situation. Mm-hmm. You don't send them in to, to conquer or create a major conflict. You just send them in to see. Huh. And like, like, that suggests that you know, that's this is not a full scale invasion, and they're not here to take over or anything like that.
0: Yeah, interesting. That's it. Yeah. yeah, I just looking at this now. I am just I had totally forgotten that I am theoretically related to all of these main characters in this movie. They're all Hesses. Yes, that that was another G- thing. Graham Hess, Meryl um, Hess, Morgan Hess, Bo Hess, <laughs> Colleen Hess. Um <laughs> yeah. I told I had totally forgotten that it it is it it, it makes sense um re- regionally there are a lot of hesses in southwestern Pennsylvania and where we are are here in north 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 central West Virginia there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of hesses around here
1: a lot of hesses. um but, yeah g- there's there's something that M Knight kind of disappointed me on because supposedly he's from Philly. But he gets a lot of shit wrong about, like,
0: geography. <laughs> in Pennsylvania? <laughs> and, um,
1: yeah, because I used to live in Philly, and then a lot I spent a lot of time after that living just outside of Philly, which is where uh-huh. this is supposed to take place. Uh-huh. And there's, like, there's a lot of, like, backwoods char- like characters with one lines and stuff that says, like, at one point a, a character says city folks, uh-huh. To like just dis- describe a type of customer they have in their books bookstore, uh-huh. and like I put aside that alien book for city folks, and like that's not what just outside of Philadelphia <laughs> is like they yeah. also mentioned the town that they were in, they said it's it's uh forty five minutes out of Philadelphia in actuality, you could like walk there
3: around oh, right, right, Philadelphia right. Is. right.
0: I'm looking at the I'm looking at the cast here. Michael Showalter is in Signs. Yes,
1: I, I have that written down. I was gonna bring that up. Too. Michael those... Showalter, um plays one of Joaquin Phoenix's like friends,
2: uh-huh. kind of,
1: or like, or a kid that knows him uh-huh. because the recruitment sergeant that I was talking about recognizes Joaquin Phoenix and like brings up uh, what a great baseball player he was, and then Michael Showalter has this. Has this terrific set of lines where he's like, "Yeah, well, he's also got the strikeout record. He would swing at anything." <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> huh. How 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 random! That would throw yeah. me out of a out of, out of a, a movie as fast as anything. Seeing Michael Showalter playing totally straight. Uh, yeah, it, and he's
1: <laughs> and he's dressed up like a metalhead. He's got like long uh, hair and a sleeveless leather jacket. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna have
0: to watch this movie again. I've I have yes, told definitely you definitely recommend. Do, it. do you recall my my telling you about seeing Michael Ian Black in um, in Beverly Hills? Do you do have I told? Uh, have I told yeah, you this anecdote? Yeah, but I don't. I don't remember the specifics of the story. What happened when I when I worked at the uh, talent agency? It was located like right in the heart of, of Beverly Hills, and me and a bunch of the other yeah. uh, peons. You take the thing is you'd, when you take lunch, you'd, you're in Beverly Hills, so you got to find places yeah. that are not like. They still, they still have, like, Einstein Brothers bagels and stuff. Like, there's stuff for the peons to eat. There's restaurants you can go to. Yeah. You can get a Subway sandwich or whatever. But we're walking... We we walk down, like, Canon, which... Or Canyon is really what it should be, but everybody just calls it Cannon without the little, like, dealy-bopper over the O. And so yeah. we're in our ties and walking to get lunch at uh, wherever. And... It's just—it's also in addition to having all these little restaurants on it, it's got really bougie, bougie um, Beverly Hills shopping, and we're walking and talking about whatever garbage we're talking about. And as—and there's a whole line of like single parking spaces, and as we're walking, I see that we're approaching. Michael Ian Black, who is leaning resplendently back on the hood of what had to be like a, a BMW on the front of the hood, like do, like 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 a Michael Ian Black gag, like, and yeah. just by himself waiting for I presumably a wife or somebody to come out of a shop, just not yeah. doing anything at all, and without breaking my stride as we're walking by, I I look Ian, Michael Ian Black in the eyes and I go, I just. Uh, read your book in the appropriate uh, fashion. He said, on the toilet. And I said, exactly. And I didn't stop walking at all. And 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 his response was, very good, or something in that fashion. And it was like the most, it was the perfect amount of Michael Ian Black interaction. It was the perfect dynamic. I didn't stop. No, there were no questions involved. You know, I didn't, you know, it was like, Luckily, I had been <laughs> dipped. I had been dipped in enough Los Angeles where you don't like freak out about seeing even really, really, really hilarious people that you've been enjoying since like high school. It was just yeah. a perfect little macaron of interaction. <laughs> check, check, that box. Um, but you know, like awesome. I you guess he's just literally like that twenty four seven. I can't imagine what it'd be like living in his household. We'd like to take a break to pay tribute to a
1: man who is a great innovator in TV comedy and an inspiration to all of us. What Shyamalan?
0: M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan.
1: What he does is take like a really well-shot movie. Like the cinematography in it is really good. It it makes things tense when they should be. It makes things um, weird whenever they should be. It actually, I should say, weird instead of tense. Um, it, it builds up all this stuff and tells this backstory. Like, all it really does is tell a backstory, and then it gives you this, um, plot type thing, and then lets you make up your own mind with the illusion of it telling a whole story. Hm. Because, like, pretty much you have to write the rest of it. And, um... That's okay. I mean, I it's, a lot of movies try to do that but don't and like fail really terribly. I think this one did. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, left leave it up to the audience. But this one is leave it up to the audience, and um, that's also a, a presumption that you would have to make. Like, yeah. is it leave it up to the audience? What? But the answer is yes. But like, um. <laughs> But, uh, but a lot of people watching it who aren't really paying attention would think that, like, that's a whole story. Mm-hmm. And it's not leave it up to the audience and, like, what a, what a stupid movie. That's what I thought 15, 20 years ago. and um, But that's what it did. And the, the thing that I came up with was if I were to fill in the blanks, because there's a lot of blanks, mm-hmm. and that was done on purpose... I would fill in the blanks with it was just a bunch of uh raiding pirate aliens that that were starving, like on their way somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they pointed at Earth and said, There's that dangerous place, but it's full of like people to eat. Yeah. So let's let's stop here and like carve out a bunch of signs in the crop circle so we can land at the right places. Because that that was like a big part of the movie. Um and then they do that. And in doing so, they coincidentally reaffirmed a preacher's faith and, like, found out that the water on Earth has some type of thing in it that kills them. And so they bug out and leave, and then um everybody's happy. And either it was by coincidence, or there is a god, and he sent the aliens. And, um... <laughs> but that's, like... That's, like, uh... A leave it up to the audience on top of a leave it up to the audience, because yeah. I won't I will agnostically uh strictly enforce my agnostic belief into leave it up to what you decide after me telling you that. So there
0: there you <laughs> yeah, go. For, forced <laughs> yeah, forced agnosticism. Yeah, forced agnosticism. You you will you will doubt the specifics of this and you will
3: like it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But a lot of the, um,
1: a lot of the scariness that I think comes from the monster is that it's like obfuscated all the time. Even whenever you see it, like whenever it shows, features it in a (coughs) full shot. Yeah. It's not really a full shot. Like there's light coming in from a window behind it. Um, there's, it's CGI and I think it's done like blurry and bad on purpose. And like the handheld camera shot of it is a handheld camera shot. So it's all blurry. Yeah and so they and whenever you do see its face it's kind of like that a nightmare human face stuck in like undead horror scream like cuz it's got like a wide mouth and dark like dark sunken in eyes and like a mm-hmm. nose cone like a no nose cone yeah and it's kind of like skeletal and sunken in.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting. I am, I'm looking at the trivia here. It, it's, it mentions that Shyamalan cites the birds, night of the living dead and invasion of the body snatchers as, as the uh, primary influences for the film, which is, yeah. um, which is really interesting because those are kind of like foundational survival genre, you know, horror prototypes and, uh, and yeah. and and it's also interesting because all of those are definitely real monsters um you know the bir- yeah. i mean the birds are just birds but they're 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 not conceptual they're not allegorical um monsters yeah. i mean uh, they're allegorical in the sense that they signify other things, depending on who you're talking to. You know, are the birds just birds? Maybe, but certainly the zombies yeah. in night of the living dead and the body snatchers in invasion of body snatchers are meant to be allegorical in the sense that they represent other, other things. Um, that's what the survival horror genre is about. Um, yeah. so I, it's interesting that his kernel of, um, his kernel of, W- where this where this idea comes from comes out of things that are are real literal uh dangers as opposed to conceptual dangers it, it uh, on a lot of ways it does make more sense if it's a if it's a a monster of the mind in this film than a monster that's that's really coming yeah. coming coming after you <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch it again because I really remember enjoying the direction of the film in that it does, as you say, um, meter out tension uh, in a in an effective manner. Like it it goes from beat to beat, and your anxiety and your fear about what is real and what's going to happen and what's going to happen next is palpable and and it's 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 strong. And then, and and but what I recall in seeing it in the film in in, in theaters was, then it it led me up to that point, and then it, the bottom dropped out of it in that it was too easily resolved, and or it was fake, and or it was the punchline didn't coalesce for me, or I thought you know my early two thousands brain hated the idea that it was a there was a Jesusy answer to it. Yeah. Um, some some combination of those ingredients left me uh, uh, stepping out of the theater like r- rubbing my eyes, going like, "Well, that was some bullshit." Like the the end really infuriated me, and I was enjoying the movie all up to like the last ten or fifteen minutes. Um, so yeah. I'm gonna have to watch it again with uh, a different set of eyes and see what I yeah what I it, take from it. Now it's definitely
1: I. I don't really ever want to say how old we are, but it, it definitely <laughs> looks different from a pair of near a year old
0: eyes. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot—I mean, a lot of things do. That's just reality. Um, yeah, you know, uh, your your understanding changes, and your appreciation for subtlety changes, and and symbolism—you know—the you know, understanding of something being standing in for another idea that you know, that becomes a lot more valuable when you can can reflect on it. So I don't know there, this movie may play the end of this movie may now play to me in a way that I actually appreciate, but I, I I genuinely don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, um, also a lot of the movie is like, it builds a lot of, um, relatable and sympathetic feelings for Mel Gibson's character. And you really don't want his kids to hate him. Like by the middle of the movie, you're like really rooting for Mel Gibson to be like, Father of the year because so far he's doing like a really good job of being a good father, but his kids are angry anyway because the mom died. Yeah, and like, and like you really want everything to be okay. And M Night did a good job of like building that story. Yeah, on top of like space chameleon, Jesus monsters.
0: Yeah, there's a there's an observation <laughs> here on IMDb that says that Gibson found it interesting because he doesn't usually play such internalized and introspective characters. And I would say yeah. that that is true, but also I I think I think Max, it, I think Mad Max is for the most part he's an internalized and introspective character, like absolutely. He, I mean he ends up he ends up <laughs> getting very act outy in um, some crucial scenes in uh, in Thunderdome because he's forced to take charge of some situations but yeah. just like in um in uh, tom hardy's portrayal in in the new movie it, it's essentially a it's essentially a buster keaton style character it's essentially a silent movie character who is giving yeah. you his performance um without without sl- like dislocating his shoulder and sc- you know screaming alcoholic rants like it's somebody who is, who is using his face to communicate an internal drama um, yeah. a la Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin. So I, I don't think it is true that he does not have a lot of opportunity to play very internal characters. I think Hollywood dragged him um, into the direction yeah. of being extremely externalized with his character's um Energy, but I I think like from yeah, the I DNA of his original Mel
1: character. Like, well, uh, Mel Gibson might have like lost his fucking mind.
0: His DNA, <laughs> so, <like. laughs> yeah, that's um. What's funny is uh, uh, I to, like, uh, uh, go ahead.
1: Well, he's definitely like a hard drinker. Uh-huh. And as as many like rehab and denials about it, like he's he's definitely a hard drinker. I know one when I see uh-huh. one, and he's been drinking every day for like a long time, and that will eventually pickle your brain and make you lose your fucking mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's
0: true. I I don't mean to. I don't want to bring up the. Um, I just have to bring up this anecdote from another one too in one episode about the talent agency is when I was working there. I was at this really big yeah. board meeting. I don't remember if I think it was it was a Monday morning meeting. It's like a normal thing that they do at these places to talk about like new scripts and things that their actors and directors can be on, and um, so like all the agents were there, and it was the at the time where the big uh, Mel Gibson meltdown thing happened. It was right then, and because <laughs> yeah. of that, his yeah. uh, all of his um, representation dropped him and somebody suddenly brought it up they said so um, what do we think about the possibility of picking up Mel Gibson and then there was like a massively pregnant pause And, (laughs) and, and somebody said something on the lines of you know like we just can't You know, we just can't touch that with a 10 foot pole. I mean, who would, you know, I mean, who, like, and then, but another, (laughs) another one of, and, and, but in response to that agent who was very prominent, I won't do, I won't give names, but was very prominent in the company, another prominent agent said, you represent a fucking pedophile, <laughs> and uh, I I cannot get into the weeds about who any of those characters are because uh, somebody would for sure uh, drop a lawsuit on me. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, that was very true. Um, all of those all of those things. Yeah, that was a that was, and I I I, rem- I remember being so satisfied being the closest thing to a fly on the wall. As a low-ranking assistant, just being like, "Yeah, that's, yeah, you do represent a pedophile." <laughs>
1: uh, um,
0: <laughs> just, uh, just some. Well, I would have pi- after the first one.
1: I would have picked up Mel Gibson like nothing, real quick. Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, you can't ignore like uh, the thirty years that he did do.
0: Uh, well, but, I mean, but you also have to understand within that world the like. How, I know, I mean, that's that's why I would be great in it Because <laughs> nobody would make the moves that I do Yeah, uh, It's just <laughs> Nobody's making I'd Ray Donovan the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> of no, Nobody's making These Gavin level moves here In, here yeah. in, <laughs> uh, in Canon and Beverly Oh wow. um, all right, well Alright well I'll I'll hook you up with his people
2: um, Alright uh, <laughs> This is a Stick up Anybody moves,
1: and the did the, the first step, Mel, is that you're not allowed to have a phone or really anything else.
0: You're not allowed to have a phone, a car, or a wife.
1: Yeah, you can't have a phone, a car, or a wife. You should definitely stay away from a wife. You're not going to have, <laughs> have
0: yeah, we're gonna get you a very, any contact with contact. We're going to get you a very expensive real doll. And, yeah. uh... <laughs> and uh, who knows
1: uh, you might you might even fall in love with it we could make a movie
0: yeah we'll get you an artificial intelligence <laughs> for your Alexa that'll do it'll order yeah. o- order all of the carrot smoothies for you and turn J- the hot tub jokes on joke's
1: on you I already am in love with Alexa <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apparently, there's a big problem. I don't know if it's a problem. There's a big phenomenon of that going on during the pandemic, of, of course, of, of people falling in love with their series and Alexis and things. I know
1: that's because all these fucking idiots haven't been crazy before. It's, <laughs> you, you've never fallen in love with a fucking robot before, are you?
0: What are you like five? <laughs> <laughs> uh- well now I'm turning the I'm now I'm turning the binoculars uh, on myself and going Have I fallen in love with a robot? No, I didn't have an intimate relationship with Teddy Ruxpin. I'm trying what to I'm trying to think of what of what coffee stained Tila. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> or was just, that more of just a kind of, trauma? That's just a. I mean, I think that that was just a. a I going to have to fucking explain that on the show. <laughs> well,
1: she that's not a robot either.
0: It you know, that's ju- yeah, that's just um a what yeah. is it? A totem. It you know, like yeah, Tila didn't the, my Tila action figure didn't have like a personality more so than any of the other than most of the other like uh, Masters of the Universe characters. I mean, she was she was prominent because there were so few female characters at that point until She-Ra broke and like the Shira characters, yeah. they, I mean, th- because there wasn't as much content about them, they were a little bit—I don't know—there just wasn't the juice there with Evelyn and 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 Tila and the sorceress. Um, uh, but to I, I I can't say that I have had a I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna recall something after this episode and be like, oh no, I totally had a weird relationship with I don't know what the fuck you know some game on my Commodore 64 or something. Kate, you're not wearing a bustle.
3: How dude.
1: Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll completely tell you. I'll straight up tell the world, too. Um, in San Andreas, you can have girlfriends. Uh-huh. And there's this one girlfriend in the San Francisco-type place, parody, named Michelle. And Michelle is this relaxed hippie chick, and she is so awesome. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and um, if she likes you good, well enough, she'll let you uh, take her monster truck out, and you can impress her by crushing shit with the monster truck. <laughs> uh-huh. and, like I fell in love with that for a long time, and for a long time it was date night with Michelle. So <laughs> all these people falling in love with Alexa, like get your shit together. Uh
2: huh.
1: <laughs> like, get get a girl that can. Crush truck, crush cars with you in her monster truck. <laughs> uh, in fair instead enough. Instead of just play your favorite
0: songs. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Yeah, I have not played. I stopped at like I tried. The, I hated GTA Four so much that I I I knew that San Andreas was good, but I did not. I just didn't hop on that wagon.
2: Did you notice anything weird
0: a minute ago? I should, now that it would cost me like $2.50 to buy, but um, I just never got on San Andreas. I'm trying San to Andreas. think of of, of um, non-human characters that I've had romantic <laughs> feelings for, and I maybe it's ironic that I don't have that but I probably do and just don't recall. Have you... Yeah, have, you have to. I, I almost certainly must have. It's just my Swiss cheese yeah. of a memory is making it seem as if I haven't to me. So I'm, I'm going to say we're going to have to loop back to that concept at another time. Right?
1: Yeah, we are going to have to loop back because uh, I only really remember Michelle while I'm thinking about it because there had to have been dozens of others.
0: Yeah. Have you... <laughs> this is uh, this is old news having happened just this January, but have you heard about CD pro? Project Red uh, would like to stop you. To, to, would like, to, would like you to stop having sex with Keanu Reeves, please. Have you heard about this problem? <laughs> yes. Of okay. Course I have. <laughs> so for the so for the edification of the audience, um, yeah. CD Project Red is the the company that has created the cyberpunk game, and uh, because it is because but so many of the characters it. are fuckable. If you just combine that with it being uh, the game being moddable enough that you can take you can get the code for the Keanu Reeves skin and put it on one of the fuckable sex worker characters, and now you're now (laughs) Keanu Reeves is fuckable. And apparently, a lot of people are doing it. Um, I I have not, I have not, Miss May Surprise people delved much farther into this concept, but they, they, they would please like you to stop putting the Keanu skin on the uh, fuckable characters that live inside of their their game that is totally cracked and completely moddable.
2: He was afraid there was something wrong with him, you know?
0: I don't know what the fuck you thought was going to happen, CD Projekt Red. (laughs) Well, it's supposed to be moddable, too. Yeah, (laughs) that's the thing. It's not just that it's it's broken. It's like this was, even if you made this perfectly, you should have seen This... this coming. Um, And I'm wondering if they actually give a shit or whether they just have to say that to get his PR team to get off of their balls.
1: They probably have to say that. Keanu Reeves probably asked in the nicest way. Yeah. For people. And, and like, he's not going to tell people himself because he's so fucking nice. (laughs) Like he was a pervert or something. Yeah. And, um... Another thing is that's why – that that specifically is the reason why a lot of actors just won't do video games anymore.
0: Well, <laughs> because, yeah. Like, I don't,
1: I don't want to be a fuck doll.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, we're about um, two steps away from the everyone as a fuck, tall, fuck doll avatar like reality yeah. because of deep faking. Like it's good. Yeah. It's a, in 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 geologic time. It's going to be about half an hour from right now, uh, time of recording. It's yeah. like everybody is basically going to be turned. Th- going to be turned into a uh, uh, a three D nonstop fuck avatar. I told
2: him that's what little dudes do.
0: <laughs> thanks to thanks to you know like Russia and virtual reality. <laughs> like, sorry, China's turned yep. all of, all of everyone with a uh, valid um, federal license in the United States into a fuck doll avatar.
1: Yeah, well, like I say, when the going get tough, then I go and work on my Anna Kendrick Android.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, she's so tiny.
2: We've all done it.
0: She's such a tiny person with a massive jaw and shoulders. She's really got a... People laugh at that like it's a joke. She's really... I, you know, it doesn't have to be a joke. It doesn't have to be a joke to laugh at it. Just as lots of lots of things that are not jokes, but they are funny.
1: That made him happy. But um, also, I wanted to do like a crunch time for them, but there isn't one because like um, either... Either there's a bunch of monsters for this monster, or it's like really vague and pushing it and it doesn't sell it. Like, um So that's the crunch time for us. And
0: there is no magic card. Right. Well that's fine. <laughs> we're, we're just having a we're having a very cinematic <laughs> no, episode, it happens.
2: Haven't you had enough? Both of you. My God, can't you see it's all over? Your bloody egos don't matter anymore.
0: We're dead. Oh, you know what? We should we should ask if either of these uh, monsters are bitchin' van art. Is it bitchin' van art? <laughs> um, no. the, Levi- the Leviathan. Levi- Leviathan could could really stretch. You could really stretch little Leviathan into being some kind of bitchin' van art. But I'm gonna ultimately say no. I it would be. Like, too confusing a
1: leviathan
0: a real leviathan leviathan be. you know a, a biblical or mythological uh, deep sea monster yeah. of epic proportions yeah for sure but 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 or. this fishman monster like like the fly flop machine no way it's too too complicated too fishy <laughs> um not going to do the uh the inner alien demons from signs also oh, probably i would say
1: in a in a M Night collage, Van Art thing <laughs> that would be fucking some... awesome. <laughs>
0: that's, that's... Like a big Bruce Willis face, yeah. <laughs> um, Bruce Willis, an alien behind him, a signs alien. Sam behind Jackson, him. a little girl, a little girl with a bonnet from Villa the Village.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, just a little girl in a bonnet, not even from anything. <laughs> like a little girl in a bonnet, big Bruce Willis face, Throw... alien standing behind him. And like um.
0: <laughs> sneak it, sneak in a handmaid from *Handmaid's Tale*. They won't even notice because of the village yeah, like characters. A, a handmaiden. Um. Uh, you got oh, yeah. you gotta have Marky Mark and some bees. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing.
1: Yeah, uh, Samuel L. Jackson with his Harold. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah! in, in a purple suit but have you seen some bees some bees no some yeah. some bees coming out of like uh, marky mark's uh funky bunch jeans um yeah like some plants <laughs> yeah some some bees some plants and marky mark with like a with a with a with a spyglass
1: yeah what what's her name with her big eyes looking scared at like a flower what is her name um. What?
3: It's being quirky, and here's your host, Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> oops!
0: Oops! Oops! All his, hipster girlfriend. Yeah. Um. Why cannot I, They're the Deschanelles. Yeah. Zoe. Yeah. Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel. With her
1: giant eyes, being really scared of a flower.
0: Yeah. Hot take: Zoe Deschanel is the hipster millennial Meg Foster.
1: I guess. Oh,
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's no. That's gonna. That's staying in. With the long pause.
1: There was a time where I was absolutely sick of Zooey Deschanel, and like, I I purposefully started to like say things in social media like negatively about her. Uh-huh. And then I watch, like, two seasons of New Girl and change my mind, because that show's funny.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's some, <laughs> yeah some parts of it are really good. And yeah, I, good for them having two anymore. similar black guys and not writing one out permanently.
1: Yeah, that was stupid.
0: <laughs> I mean, they didn't plan on the, both the two characters staying in, and then but they didn't, like... Drop a fucking bus on one of them When the other one came back So, you know, good for them
3: Could you shut up?
0: And now for a segment we're calling Describing Benicio Where we describe a particular photo Of actor, Heineken enthusiast And your legal counsel Benicio Del Toro Oh, yeah (laughs) So, uh, we were doing uh, Nick Cave, and we decided to stop beating that uh, Australian horse and trans burning bush. Trans transition into another enigmatic uh, character, um, and by, as the fates would have it, d- d- asking who is like. Nick Cave, uh, this landed us on um, Mr. Del Toro, who I was not aware is, his original nationality is uh, Puerto Rican. Did not know that he was Puerto yep. Rican. I never really uh, looked into him as a as a biographically before, so. Um, He's a 54-year-old Puerto Rican actor. And according to this dumb website, he is is a Christian who is 6 foot 1 inches tall and 89 kilograms. (laughs) So... (laughs) Which is apparently what people want to know. I mean, I do know that uh, people want to know how tall famous people are. It's very—it's very, like the first yeah. question they ask about anybody is, "Were they really tall?" Well, it's—it's it's never what it seems. It, that's why it's interesting. Um, yeah. With kids that I'm teaching remotely, I was—I saw this article about um, somebody is asking kids what they really missed about actually being in class, and one of the kids responded, "Knowing who's tall and who's short." <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> and I found that to be a really hilarious like reality with with kids is they don't they don't care about anything yeah. super serious.
1: That's what that's what I'd say. <laughs> you, do you know how tall Prince was? Uh,
0: very small.
1: <laughs> He's very small. He's
0: very small. Uh, but but pretty tall guy, six one. Um, uh, but how could we? How would you describe this photo that I pulled up? This photo, oh man, it looks to um, me like it looks to me like he's at a wedding, and there's like a camera. There's one of those like use this during the wedding cameras on the table.
2: Yeah,
0: like one of the one yeah. of the like click and spin cameras, or he's just like, yeah. eh, uh, uh, this is gonna be your photo of, of 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 Mr. Del Toro. Yeah,
1: well, it looks like he took the picture by accident while he was getting ready for
0: the. Mm-hmm. Picture. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, it definitely, yeah, it definitely looks like your first shot on a roll of of thirty or thirty-five. Where you'd be like, <laughs> "We got to make sure it works. You got to click it once to make sure it goes." It, yep, got it.
1: If it were even further out of context, I would say that he's definitely questioning
0: why the camera is. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 yeah it it in wow. reality, it's probably a um, paparazzi photo of some guy and being like, "Hey, Benny," and just like whipping yeah. around at him. He's like, uh, uh, I don't need it uh, why am I no is he on a set there's like some very artificial purple lighting that's giving yeah. making giving him a real kind of Bella Lugosi ghostly uh, unfortunate pallor in this one
1: he's this this is a better than life chip <laughs> <laughs> yeah meet Benicio del Toro in your data jack with this better than life
0: chip what's that, what's that Ralph Fiennes movie with the very upsetting point of view rapes um uh why can I not uh it's strange, a, days? strange days. He looks, yeah. He looks like yeah. he looks like a program of someone being um, really miserably assaulted in Strange Days with Ralph Fiennes.
2: Yeah.
0: It's like <laughs> I wish you would not make this about me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Here's the the sim stem of harassing Benicio del Toro.
0: Yeah. CD Projekt Red asks you to please stop having sex with Benicio del Toro.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Please stop brain dancing
1: Benicio del Toro's um, troubling question. Segment where where you just assault him right in his face. <laughs> yeah, he, hey, Benicio, how you doing? He
0: do, he doesn't want to talk about uh, he he doesn't he doesn't want to talk about whether Johnny Depp was secretly a dickhead. He, he just doesn't yeah. he doesn't he doesn't want to bring it up anymore. He just wants to sell some fucking Heineken.
1: He just wants
0: to sell and drink that. Heineken. Have you seen those commercials? They're so odd. They're yeah. they a weird mix of charm and artifice, which like I guess is you know acting, but there yeah. yeah, is a there is a particular. Yeah, that is what There are particular in I mean, I know that factually it is, but there's something about those Heineken ads that Del Toro does that are like, it's like I look, it's like you could hear him under his breath saying, "I know you guys." I know this ad is total, complete dog garbage, but just yeah, let me well, sell. Just let me just just let me sell you this fucking beer. I know it's bullshit. You know you know it's bullshit. Here's some fucking Heineken.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's he's he's not a commercial person at all.
0: He's no, not gonna... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. It's he's, it's he's, very he's
1: just as confused as you are. It's like why am I like, in this commercial? Why am I trying it's
0: to it's sell something? It's very much like wrong. I don't know why I'm here in this commercial. You don't know why I'm <laughs> in here in this commercial. It's not going to last very long. I promise, and I swear, I'm going to wink at the yeah. end. <laughs> Just let's just get through this together. Me and you. We're gonna Dave, we're gonna get through this Heineken commercial. Just lay back and we're gonna show the we're gonna show the bottle, it's gonna be over. <laughs> I think this has been Describing Benicio. Describing
1: Benicio's
0: sim-stem. <laughs>
1: Thank you for coming into the Monster Shop and having a look around. We enjoyed your presence and look forward to your attendance next time.
0: This has been Gavin. And this has been Hess, And we've been Oops All Monsters. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader, until we deliver you another batch of Beasts, Bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff.
3: (laughs) I never even knew he had teeth.